Hello and welcome to your shout on radio. We are getting into an extremely engaging podcast with Mahi Shah. She's not only an avid reader, an artist, somebody totally engrossed in and fascinated by mythology, but also someone we have come to know as a pretty analytical mind who looks at stories from many many different perspectives by reading different versions of them and the most fascinating part about this podcast is that she's a young voice talking about some very ancient texts and scriptures and literature and it's beautiful for us to know that somebody's reading classical literature commenting on it has perspective on it and uh, is just here to share what her takeaways are but we've tried to keep this discussion more focused so if you've been following our stories on the written network we've been talking to gore a lot and a lot of our stories on a category named treasure trove have been about snippets from tagore's writing and how he's inspired us to think more to believe more in indian classical literature and just believe in the love of uh, literature and all that it can offer you so in continuing talking to gore we are going to explore a passage or rather a scene that he's recreated in his writing between the characters of karna and kunti in the mahabharat this was literally the first and final interaction between the both of them mother and son and it's so impactful so powerful and it really really brings up many many different emotions within a reader or say you're watching the scene in a theater setting within anybody observing the dynamic between these two characters and mahi is here to take us not only through that scene but also through the character of karna and i'm going to hand over the microphone that we are using to record this podcast <laughs> to her just for her to give us maybe beginning with an insight into the mahabharat as well and then we'll take it from there like every normal conversation hi thank you for inviting me it's i'm so excited to be part of this discussion today um also because i know that i'm going to be learning a lot from you as well being an avid reader um but the mahabharat is i'd like to begin with a quote actually uh the mahabharat declares what is here is nowhere else what is not here is nowhere which is so beautiful because i do believe that it's true and that every character that we explore um in the mahabharat there are lessons to learn there are personality traits that we can imbibe and inculcate into our own lives even today so many years after the the epic was written particularly karna uh, as we will be talking about him and something that fascinates me about the mahabharat itself is um which is very well put by guru charandas who said that the mahabharat doesn't only force us to look at our own selves and reflect but it also criticizes society's norms and flaws and um makes us question it more often than not and uh when i first read mahabharat i was 14 or 15 it was the most simplified version of it and after that my favorite character was krishna of course the most conventional one the wise one and uh, also mischievous <laughs> if you can add and 
after that i asked my father you know who was his favorite character and he said karna and i just kept on wondering why and many years later it was many years later that i formed an opinion of karna and it, it is i think still growing and developing as i re- continue to read more but um i think karna is one of the strongest characters in the story i'm obviously going to ask you why you say that um and i'm i'm loving the part that you say many years later also because mahi the wise is uh, is over the years getting a deeper understanding of uh, texts that she only started reading when she was 14 and now uh, she is 15 <laughs> no i'm just kidding but uh, i think karna is definitely a character that um, fascinates me as well and there's just so many shades and layers to this character and i think maybe your father said that was because he's also been the most wronged if i may add and um, a lot of tragedies and a lot of poetry and literature in general uh, make for very good reading if you have a tragic character if you have a flawed character if you have a wronged character and uh, that just sets the tone for pretty much the whole epic and like you rightly said the mahabharat offers so many takeaways it's uh, almost like going through life if you've read uh, the most complicated versions of the mahabharat or if you've read the original text and if you understand sanskrit there's just so much wisdom and uh, to imbibe and there isn't one experience that is not spoken of or there isn't one dilemma that is not touched upon and taught how to perhaps deal with in the mahabharat so yeah safe to say that it is one of the greatest works that our country has produced but tell me what changed in you about karna and why is he now the favored one so i wouldn't say he is the most favored one uh, because i still uh, do absolutely love uh, krishna as a character but uh, when i first read palace of illusion by uh, chitra banerjee was when i first got an insight into the kind of person that karna was um just because previously i hadn't read much about him or didn't know much of his character didn't know uh, what he had done what he had said and in this book it gives you so much of an insight into the kind of person that he was into how he was one of the things that i admire most about him uh is that his character through the story goes through such a wide range of emotions whether it's being humiliated at the swayamvar whether it is as the book says falling in love with draupadi or meeting uh kunti for the first and final time as you previously mentioned it is such a wide range of feelings and emotions and experiences that he went through that was so admirable and that is also what we go through every day it could be in a smaller uh form but we go through these experiences and emotions and lessons from his life al- almost every day and like you said mahabharat has so much to teach us each character has traits that we also have and we also possess and we also have to learn uh what to do with them in, in the most right manner and um like you said flawed character he is a flawed 
tragic character of the mahabharat which is obviously more interesting than the you know the the so called good uh heroes of any story and they're always more interesting um and that is what struck me the most about him the second thing that struck was his relationships with the people that were in his life so whether it was kunti his mother whether it was draupadi whom i believe was an invisible relationship because they never interacted other than the swayamvar uh, or whether it was with his own wife uruvi who is barely mentioned uh, in so many versions of the mahabharat his relationship with each of them also showed a lot about his character um again his friendship with duryodhan which is a major part of his life whom he de- literally dedicated his life to uh, was also something that i mean i question it all the time as to why he would do that because it was wrong he was on he was siding with the wrong and he knew that uh so i question it but that that is something that you know was most interesting and fascinating to me so let's talk about this scene that uh, we've been reading and ruminating upon um i guess maybe tagore even picked it is because like we said earlier that it was the only one that ever happened and you had a mother over here begging for the lives of her other five children to her first born and uh, she knows and she goes with the heaviest heart and she knows that she's going to lose somebody you know it's either them or him and uh, it's a tough call for a mother and uh, what what did you feel when you when you've read or watched or come across a scene like this what were your sentiments so after reading that scene of course um i would also wonder you know why but i also wondered why kunti would go to karna after so many years karna did not know his biological mother i i didn't know whether she she had the right to ask for this or i would question whether she had the right to do so um i also admire karna for sticking to his own decision for being proud of where he came from how he was raised and he had no uh qualms about it so you're right that he had no qualms about where he was raised it's interesting that you say you don't know if kunti had the right to go and ask him after all these years about well maybe she was bothered about him in her head and in her heart but she never really made the effort or any herculean efforts to reach out to him but now when she knew that the war was imminent and uh, karna had the power and the protection to decimate the pandav army and the pandavas themselves she goes to him and seeks help so it's she's already decided right in her head who she prefers over the other but um complexities within characters exist exist and uh, karna's put to test now and he's asked this question and it's a mother going to beg for the lives of her children so it's already happened now what are you reading into this and how do you proceed i also think that kunti needs to be given due credit because uh karna was born to her at a time where she was not married which was obviously not ex- was not an accepted norm at the time so i would understand where she came from but i and like you said she had already chosen in her mind you know who she preferred and who she wanted to win but i also think that she was tied 
whoever she was siding with um the pandavas were in the right i do believe so and uh also that karna chose uh bonds of love over his blood ties which is again something you don't see very often uh he was loyal to duryodhan he was uh, raised by not his biological parents uh by his adopted parents and that is something you don't see very often and the fact that he chose to remain you know with them was admirable but whether it was right or wrong is can be questioned a little bit later but uh i i do think that again like you said complexities arise in every situation and every relationship so that is what i think i i also think that kunti should be given due credit uh as to because she didn't i don't think she had had a choice she was pretty much helpless as a woman um at the time but i do think that those characters were also very very much empowered i also think that the women in the story are uh have so much of a say in how the story uh went maybe so much of it is also about timing you know what's the right time to reveal the truth what's the right time to know that just by being honest about a particular situation could save the day you know could suddenly make the five brothers amenable towards karna and say oh my god here's my big brother and do i really want to go to war with somebody my, my blood relative you know my eldest brother which brings me back to dropadi you know um he was at the swayamvar as well and if you think of it all in retrospect he would have been the most deserving <laughs> of her love of her ma- of being married to her and uh, he has the first right you know if he's the eldest brother and that's how it goes uh, and that was the, also the reason why all five were married to her because they thought that arjun could not be married to her until yudhishthir was it was one of the explanations so here's a man who's born with it and deserving of everything and gets none of it and i think that's what made us all fall in love with him also because we just thought at every stage that he should be having what he doesn't have and that makes him so much more endearing to to all of us like every other tragic character in any other story yes we fell in love with karna because of this and um like you said uh karna was uh i i also think that karna was that it is through his character that um you know the question of deserved status and uh stat- status at birth comes about whether you know he was humiliated at the swayamvar only because he was from a lower caste he was not able to learn archery from dronacharya because he was from a lower caste and that is a problem that we see even today you know bringing back the relevance of mahabharat it is uh, something that we see even today in colleges in schools and a uh, lack of opportunity to so many people and today it's also not it's not only the caste struggle it's also the class struggle that we we talk about and his character raised so many questions if you think about it um so many uh societal norms that were qu- questioned throughout his life whether it was you know his marriage his uh again his relationship with his mother because she couldn't do anything she was helpless in such a situation as any woman even today would be or is looked down upon uh so i think that it's nice that you brought in the whole class and caste struggle bit because the way that 
one can perceive karna is somebody who's come up the hard way in life which again makes him even more lovable because uh, he hasn't had the same opportunities the same platforms although he was deserving of them and he had the he had all the merits to take them up and to to seize all these opportunities had they been made available to him so he's come up the hard way and look at the irony of the situation that now he's made himself so powerful that his mother who has had the more privileged children has to go and beg for their lives to him and just tell them you know by virtue of being the big brother or virtue of vice well however you put it <laughs> by virtue of being the big brother you know spare them spare their lives and uh, but just maybe if we can even put it in as a question and it's not for us to change or but maybe we could just ponder over it that what if in those moments and in that moment itself kunti instead of going to a karna had just gone to her five children and said this is the truth of it do you really think that they would have gone to war that is a very interesting question which requires so much thought but um having read whatever i have so far i think that the war was inevitable one way or the other it it had to happen and as krishna has mentioned self so many times over so many books that the war would have happened irrespective of who started it who initiated it who wanted to have the war who didn't want to it would have happened because it was a war for the truth it was the war for being on the path of dharma and of being right so i i don't think maybe the circumstances would have changed maybe the situation would have changed but i think the war would have still taken place i think that's an extremely intelligent response and uh, you're right maybe more thought needs to be put into it uh, maybe the inevitability of the war itself needs to be thought about and uh, it gives us so much insight into our lives you know how many situations really need to happen how many do we affect um how many things do we go to war for how many things are we willing to get into conflicted situations for and maybe well this goes completely against the grain of shout but uh it helps to have opinions but it doesn't have to impose them on on other people what do you say i completely agree and uh, as we spoke previously uh you can't react to everything and i'm still learning that i think i react to everything i have opinions on so many things and i feel the need to express my rage or my you know my anger against so many problems today in the world and you know fight every i want to fight every battle but i know that can't happen and you want to change everything but it can't happen you have to like you said learn to accept and that is also one of the lessons of mahabharat you know of learning to accept a situation and then working towards it or then thinking of a solution because you can't always think with or you can't always act because of your emotions uh, which is what a lot of characters did i think in the mahabharat draupadi particularly i think she was so driven by her own mind and her own feelings that she took a lot of decisions which were could be questionable <laughs> maybe that's also what karna did you know maybe he just accepted his truth eventually after having this conversation with kunti he accepted it and said this may be what it is but i have to accept that the war is inevitable and if i can't stop the war i can stop 
the harming my brother's bit which is what my biological mother wants and let me make the best or do the least harm in the best way that i can going forward i am uh, i choose to remain loyal to my side and my people and the people i've chosen to call my people but uh, this is the best of the worst situation that that i find and maybe it's just that do you agree i don't know about the best or the worst situation but i i do think that whatever drove karna to make the decision of being loyal to duryodhan knowing he was wrong was circumstance like you said he made himself so powerful over the years that he could choose he he could have chosen to stop the war but he didn't uh only because i think this is also an insight into human nature of how circumstances shape you and shape human behavior and i think that is what happened to karna also he may have been uh blinded by his love and loyalty for duryodhan because duryodhan was the one who gave him an opportunity uh so many that many years ago so i don't know if uh karna would have you know chosen to still protect his brothers because i think he he was so set in his decision or it seems as if he was so stubborn if i may add that i don't think anything could have changed i even indra came and spoke to him he asked for his earrings and his you know his armor which karna gave but it was he still wouldn't switch sides when krishna spoke to him he wouldn't switch so there was nothing that could uh you know change his mind which is why i think that his circumstances over the years his experiences over the years what he has the way he had been treated by his own brothers was so in in a way that drove him to this decision I think this one passage and this one dialogue gives you so much to deliberate upon and uh, you start making so many connections with so many other scenes and situations in the Mahabharat and that's really what epics and legends are about that you you never feel like you've read enough you know enough to to comment to but the best we can do is have discussions about it try and arrive at our own conclusions and uh, our own takeaways because um, that's what these epics are here to teach us and uh, hopefully well all our listeners if they haven't learned a lesson they've uh, learned some more about karna and our fondness for him mutual ad narration society um <laughs> uh, but uh thank you so much for joining us on this session talking to gore there will be more perhaps we won't be talking more passages from tagore because this was literally the last impactful one that we came upon from the relics that we had dug up from a, a pretty old library actually that's been around for a while but um we'll definitely be talking epics legends mythology uh particularly indian mythology because uh, it's just really exciting when the younger generation is so intrigued by it and that's what's going to keep it going so thank you mahi if you have any last thoughts let us know but we will be so excited to chat with you again Thank you so much. Uh I'd like to end with a quote from Palace of Illusions which is about Karna where Draupadi describes Karna and says I realize now that the main reason I'd accepted the site from Vyasa was was for the opportunity to watch Karna the way I never could in real life to decipher the enigma that he was. Now I understood him, his nobility, his loyalty, his pride, his anger 
his uncomplaining acceptance of the injustice of his life his forgiveness so if she has understood him i'm hoping we can after reading a lot more but yes thank you so much it was a lot of fun thank you mai to share to share to share <laughs>